What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. We are in a new sub-thread starting this week entitled Symbols. If you haven't been with the podcast or uh, with Faith Chapel over the last year, we have been doing a year-long series entitled Threads. And this sub-thread is going to walk through some different symbols and representations that we see throughout Scripture. If you want to know uh, what we've done before, you can check that out on previous episodes of the podcast. If you want to know what we've done as a larger church body, You can go to faithchapel.cc and listen to the messages from weekend services. Uh, This week, we are going to talk about blood and wine, or we talked about blood and wine in main session. We're going to talk about blood, essentially, um, here on the podcast. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so sorry that you just started listening and the first thing that you hear, like, they're going to talk about blood. Oh, cool, cool. We're going to talk about blood. Uh, I promise it won't get super weird, but we are going to talk about blood and what it means throughout scripture. And we're going to look at a specific passage. I had a really hard time this last week figuring out what I want to talk about. There was lots of different directions to go. And uh, Amy Mitchell, who's on staff with us, uh, she said, hey, you should look at Hebrews chapter 10. And that is where we are going to, to sit. So uh, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is a really beautiful book. Um, it ties together Old Covenant in the Old Testament and the New Covenant in the New Testament really, really well. It kind of superimposes the two above or onto each other. And the author makes it really, really clear that the Old Covenant has been fulfilled in Christ and that the new one is here. And we're going to start right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 1. And it says this, Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come. So the the law being the old covenant only has a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things. It can never really perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices that they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers purified once and for all? Since the worshipers purified once and for all would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The first point this week is this, is that animal sacrifice only served as a temporary solution. A shadow of what was to come. From the beginning, God knew that what was for the nation of Israel would not be able to hold a candle to what was going to be for not just the nation of Israel, but for all people. The consistent sacrifices the priests had to make were completely obsolete compared to the sacrifice that Jesus had made on the cross. The blood shed on the cross made all other sacrifices completely obsolete. Those animal sacrifices were obviously a step of obedience, though. I don't want to look at the nation of Israel. And be like, what were they doing? Like, that's crazy that they just kept killing goats and bulls and pigeons and all of these different things. Like, what were they thinking? No, they were being obedient. They were being obedient to what God was asking them to do in the temporary. But what Jesus did was complete. It was the solution. See, what the animal sacrifices were was a reminder of sin, a recognition of sin, something that was important for them to do. We, we need to be people, and they needed to be people who could recognize that they had done something wrong and do something about it. That's really, really good. But that wasn't the solution. Jesus was the solution. Those things did not forgive, forgive sins for all time. Jesus' sacrifice did. The passage goes on to say in verses 5 through 9, Therefore, as he is coming into the world, this is Jesus, he said, You did not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. And then I said, See, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, God. After he says the above, You did not desire or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, See, I have come to do your will your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. 
really re- repetitive verbiage in that uh, part of the passage, but it's repetitive for a reason. It's this, is that we are out with the old and in with the new. Jesus ushered in something brand new and something perfect. Jesus was making it really clear that he was changing everything. Jesus changed the way that we interact with the world. He he calls us to interact with culture and the people around us in a way that was never established before, not in a way that Jesus did. He calls us to to change the way that we interact with one another, the way that we are in community, the way that we do the quote-unquote church, the way that we do community, the way that we do relationship. Jesus changed everything. His ministry, his his 33 years on earth, but also just the, the message that he brought, the totality of it changed everything. All, all of the ways that we interact with people inside and outside the, the church community. And Jesus changed the way that we interact with God. That no longer was there this this big thing, this big separation between God and his people. Jesus changed that too. And we'll get that into that a little bit in more detail later. But Jesus was communicating something really clear here. He was clearly communicating to the Jewish people that what had been up to that point was being approved upon and that he was the reason that it was being approved upon, that it was no longer the thing anymore. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant was no longer the thing to hang their hat on, but the New Covenant was something that was going to take it to the next level. For us, we probably didn't grow up practicing biblical Jewish customs. Maybe you did, um, but you I'm guessing the majority of us didn't. But what we have to understand is that there's still a before Christ timeline for us. That for the Jews, this was a huge cultural and religious like shift. That everything that they had known up to that point for thousands of years was being kind of flipped on its head. God, Jesus was, was doing something significant. That God had sent him to do something really, really radical. And for us, we have to understand that there's a before Christ timeline for us too, that before we knew Jesus, we are who we were. And now that we know Jesus, we are now who we are. And and maybe you, you found Jesus when you were really young, like I did. But what I do know is that there is a without Christ timeline of my life. And there is a with Christ timeline of my life that without Jesus, I would be even more broken and more messy than I already am left to my own choices and my own desires and my own devices. I would have made a lot of stupid decisions. I, I did even with Jesus, but I made, a, I would have made a lot more if I would have not had the Holy Spirit guiding me and being attuned at least at times to what Jesus was asking me to do in my life. The passage goes on to say in verses 10 through 14, it says, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time which can never take away sins but this man after offering one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of god he is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those that are sanctified so the next point is simply the one word sanctified Sanctification is a word that can be thrown around in church speak quite a lot, but it it can be easily overcomplicated and not explained very well. Uh, At its base level, sanctification means to be set apart and used for its original purpose. What this means is that when Christ died for you and I, we were sanctified through his blood. We are saved from our sin and transgressions and set apart to walk out the purpose that he has created for, that our designer, our creator, who is God, has set us apart. That, that through Jesus, he has sanctified us 
And he has set us apart to do the things that he had originally planned for us to do. We cannot sanctify ourselves, but through obedience and surrender, we accept his willingness to step in on our behalf. We cannot sanctify ourselves, but the blood of Jesus sanctifies us for the purposes that God has set out before us. Verses 15 through 18 says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For he, for after he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So the next point is this is once and for all, once and for all. We have a tendency to look at ourselves as perpetual disappointments and and that God is just sitting in heaven. He's shaking his head at us and he's like, these idiots, what are they doing? Like he's just, he's just disappointed us. He's, he's mad at us. He's angry with us. But what we must understand is that the blood of Jesus created a new lens, that God does not see the sin any longer, but the offering that was provided to cover that sin. When we declare Jesus as the savior of our lives and we seek after him, the return is total. The return is complete. It is total forgiveness. It is complete forgiveness. As the song says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. and He washed it white as snow. See, in this passage, it also points out to the fact that the Holy Spirit, which operates in all followers of Jesus, is a testimony to the fact that the instruction of God is now something that we can always be attuned to. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling among us, willing to guide us and direct us and give us the things that we need to be the people that God has asked us to be. The absolute totality of of what Jesus did on the cross through his blood should leave us in awe. If you're listening to this and you're thinking like, this is really hard to comprehend, you're not wrong. There are some of us who are, who are very spiritually unresolved and you're like, man, this is wild. Like, I, How does like one man make one sacrifice for all time, for all people, for all sins? Like, It's hard to wrap my mind around that. Yeah, it is. I've been following Jesus for 31 of the 34 years of my life. And um, yeah. It is, it is really, really hard to comprehend, and I kind of love that. I love that, that while it's simple in its premise, it's hard to wrap our minds around, and I don't want to wrap my mind around something simple and dedicate my life to it. I want it to be big and grand and holy and majestic, and that is exactly what Jesus did. I think that in many ways our humanity strives to cling to the old way. We, we want to beat ourselves up for our iniquities and we want to do something to earn our forgiveness. That we look back at the sacrificial system and we're like, man, like I don't know if I love the idea of like slitting the throats of bulls and goats and birds and all these different things and the blood and the mess and all those things. But there's something really, really like simple and, and um, fulfilling about I did something wrong and now I'm just going to do this to fix that wrong. And it's just this like this for that type thing. But Jesus came and he said, I I don't want you to do that. I want you to let go of that way of thinking. I want you to sit in surrender and thankfulness that you don't have to do that anymore because I paid the ultimate price that what he has done is complete. Verses 19 through 20 go on to say this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. The next point this week is boldness through the blood. 
boldness through the blood. This picture is astonishing. And we have to think about what it meant for people in their biblical context. That up to that point, the sanctuary, the curtain, these things that, that were reserved for high, high priests only, the, the presence of God was to be experienced rarely, and the presence of God was to be experienced exclusively. That the high priest got to step into the Holy of Holies one time a year, and they got to experience the presence of God. But they, they got to go and tell the people, oh my gosh, you guys wouldn't believe this. I got to experience the presence of God. God moved. And the people had to take them at their word. That system is something that, that we look at in our Western culture 2,000 years later, and we're like, no, that's jacked up. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to just believe what you have to say about something. I want to experience it for myself. And this is what the author is making clear. Because of Jesus, all people can step into the presence of God at all times. And not only do that, but do it with boldness because of the blood of Jesus. Understanding that God has invited us into relationship with him with open arms because of what his son did on the cross. That we get to step into the throne room of God with boldness and experience his presence every single moment of every single day. Whatever moment we choose to just dedicate to being in the presence of God, we can do that. We can speak to God whenever we want. God will speak to us whenever he wants. Like This is this is amazing things and we lose perspective on that. That, that and in their cultural context, as the author is saying this to them, that they're like, wait, what? What you're saying is the, the exclusivity and the rarity of the communication of God is no longer. That when, when, when the, the veil was torn, when, when the curtain was torn, when Jesus was dying on the cross, that that actually meant something spiritual, not something just physical. That the curtain, the thing preventing us from experiencing the presence of God when we want to is gone. And the author is saying, absolutely, step into the presence of God with boldness. The author says this is a new and living way. What was is dead. It's in the past. And what is is this beautiful opportunity to truly commune with our creator whenever we desire. Let's not neglect that. For thousands of years, there was a gap between creator and created. There were prophets and there were priests and they stood in the gap for moments. God would speak something to them and say, go tell my people. And the priests and the prophets, they would do these things. They would go and they would tell the people, God said this and no longer. No longer. Jesus closed the gap. Through his blood, there is no longer any separation between creator and created. Created. Jesus closed the gap. Verses 21 through 22 say this. And since we have a great high priest who is Jesus over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Full assurance. Full assurance. Anybody else ever questioned whether or not they're actually saved? I got saved when I was four years old at Awana. Shout out to Awana. If you don't know what Awana is, I'm sorry. It was like uh, Christian Boy Scouts, um, but both boys and girls could be a part of it. Like you had a vest, you had badges. I think back to where I was at, I like went from like three years old or four years old until I was like seven years old. And my, my vest was like packed. Like I had all the patches, which I'm like, man, you guys must have really low standards if a four-year-old can just like just load that sucker up and feel like such a boss. Anyway, that's a side note. What I remember is that I accepted Jesus into my heart, that I surrendered my life to Jesus when I was about four years old, and I could take you to the church, I could take you to the classroom where it happened. It was it was really beautiful. I remember telling my parents, I remember my parents crying and like being so excited. I remember being so excited myself. And I also know that I have accepted Jesus into my heart or surrendered my life to Jesus about 684 times since then. <laughs> And sometimes it was because uh, I was I was unsure of my sincerity of surrender. 
like thinking back as like a four year old, just be like, well, what, how, what does a four year old know, right? And I think back to my faith when I was a kid, and I'm like, man, my faith was pretty big. But there was there's questioning of of the sincerity of my surrender, but but more times than not, when I've rededicated my life, and please please hear me, I'm not I'm not bashing on people who rededicate their lives to Jesus. Like do that, do that every day, rededicate your life. But what would happen in those moments is I, I would sin in a way that I didn't think the blood of Jesus could cover that. That that sin was too too much or too often. And so I'd rededicate. I'd like start afresh and say, "No, like can you, can you do that? Can you get back on the cross and can you die again so that, so that I can be assured of the fact that I am saved." And what the author is saying here is that we can step in with boldness, but with the full assurance of faith that when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. It was finished. We get to draw near to God in full assurance that we've been washed clean for good. The shed blood of Christ covers us and we can confidently walk in that, not arrogantly and using it as an excuse, but confidently knowing that Jesus was enough and always will be enough. Verse 23 says, let us hold to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. This is just doubling down. We we have full assurance and we can have hope without wavering, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He's not going to go back on his deal. He is faithful. Our human worries are not his worries. We often equate our relationships, our, our human relationships with our relationship with Jesus. And we look at we look at people in our lives, even people that we trust, even people that we that we that are, are healthy for us. We're like, what if they change their mind? What if they change their mind? They could go back. We're human, we're broken, we're fallible. You could go back on what you decided, the commitment that you've made to me. But Jesus said, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. And when I said that I did what I did for you for all times, I meant it. He is faithful. It is finished, paid in full. I love the way that this passage wraps up verses 24 through 25. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we have all of these things. We have this this knowledge and assurance of the blood of Christ. We can step in with boldness and, and, and we can do all these things. The blood of Christ covers us for all times. One man, one sacrifice for all sins, for all time, for all people, all of these things. We get to, 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 to soak that in and we get to know that that is true for us and is true for all people. And then the author says, but this is how you walk it out together. Walk that out together. Let us consider one another. Let's provoke one another towards love, towards good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but but encourage one another. Encourage one another. Jesus did what he did for each and every individual, and there is incredible beauty in engaging with him on a personal level. Your personal relationship with Jesus amazing, amazing. But what happens internally and what happens in private should work its way out externally. And what we experience externally in community can be used for our personal walk with Jesus. Our personal walk with Jesus is for us, but it's not only for us. We get to tell people what God is doing in our lives. And our hope, my hope is that you would tell me what God is doing in your life too, because I believe that your faith will inspire my faith. And my hope is that my faith will inspire your faith. We are supposed to walk this out together. Live in the truth that God's blood, that Jesus's blood covers all sins. We can, we can accept that truth and then walk it out together. This community, the community of young adults, it should serve as a catalyst for your relationship with Jesus. But also know this, that this community will never be what it should be without you serving as a catalyst to it. We are in this together with one another and with Jesus.
at Young Adults, we closed with communion. And I would just encourage you to try to find time this week to take communion. It, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It doesn't have to be something that is super gaudy. It doesn't mean that you have to go find fine wine and, and the exact wafer. Like you got Diet Coke and Wheat Thins. Hey, body and blood. Like you, this is about representation of what Jesus did and communing with God and sitting in his presence in recognition and worship of what he has done. So what I want to do to close the podcast this week, maybe you come back to this and and you can have this read over you as you prepare to take communion, or you can just do it yourself. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. This is how we're going to close. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, take and eat it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us be people who recognize that the blood of Christ covers all sins. That we are people who have been forgiven. And we can approach God now with boldness and the full assurance that we get to do life with him and together.